Jokes, amen. Sing from the heart. Sing from the heart. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Yeah. Sing from the heart. Yeah. No, no, no. I was, that was, <laughs> don't have it. <laughs> if you're going to sing like that every Sunday. <laughs> Two things happened uh, yesterday that. Well, I need to say this. I need to say this. He to celebrate somebody before I get step into this word. It's, it's worth celebrating. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't celebrate my my grandbaby, my namesake. Yesterday, he went. He's a champ. We are the champion, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sad thing about it, he ain't in here now, but it wouldn't matter. I mean, he's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a champion of the Hoover uh, uh, Recreation League Kindergarten Division. His team won the basketball tournament yesterday. Yeah, he had nine points. Yeah, yeah, they were doing it. Yeah, they were the number two team. They beat the number one team. Yeah, and after the game, he went up to his mama, he said, did we win you? <laughs> Yeah, did we win? <laughs> and it was over. <laughs> he ready to go. Snack time. <laughs> yeah, different level of motivation. Just for the fun of it, they playing. Yeah. But then I saw something on the other side that I didn't like. That was a coach who put so much pressure on those boys. He lost it for them, to be honest with you. Though. Now, that chance, I mean, uh, uh, Ashton's team played really, really well. 
But the other kids, it seems to me, were overcoached. And they were scared. Every time they messed up, somebody was yelling, busting them. One particular guy, not the main coach. I ain't want to tell him to stop because he was helping us. <laughs> All right. She didn't mean it. She didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. We want our kids to be perfect at everything. Everything. So that leads me to what I'm going to preach about today. I'm going to step outside of living a blessed life, although this could fall into it. It's not from that passage of Scripture. The other thing I want you to do is celebrate with me. As we, uh, we got one of our young guys, you know, who is doing really, really well. There's a program in town called Youth Bill. Youth Bill. It is a, it is a private school that's grounded in the construction and trade industry. And so what we've done is gotten back to what worked for us years ago, and that is everybody ain't going to college. All right? And somebody's always got to make sure we keep our buildings and uh, put up our new houses and all those things. And so. Our very own John Marion. Stand up, John Marion. We call him Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear is a senior in the Youth Bill program, and he is. They call him, they call him John John at the program. He is the ambassador for the program. Yeah. That, that means that mean he represents. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. That's your staff, baby. Yes, our staff, baby. Our staff. Uh, yes, Ingrid. Is, yeah, all these things we do to try to feed into our babies, into our kids. For those of you who don't know, STAIR stands for Start the Adventure in Reading. The reading support program that we had here at the church for 10, 12 years. Um, and when he was a student at Barrett Elementary School, he participated in it. And he's a member here, of course. But yeah, it matters. Those things matter. Those things matter. And STAIR is still going on. They, we didn't stop STAIR. STAIR stopped us for whatever. They moved to different sites. And so we probably need to get it back. But anyway, that's a different thing right now. Congratulations, Ingrid, on that hard work. That's a flower. That's a flower. Let's come back to you. Yes. Um, today I want to talk about, um, I, want to, I want to try to help somebody today. Because this message the Lord kept giving to me helped me. And yesterday only reinforced it when I saw those babies out there uh, playing. Um, today I want to talk about not strengths, but I want to talk about weaknesses. Weaknesses. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Think about it. Think about it. How many of you are okay with acknowledging your weaknesses? Don't raise your hand. I want you to think about this, because everybody's got them. Everybody has weaknesses. Society is not fond of allowing us room to deal with our weaknesses. 
In fact, it's exactly the opposite. Society puts so much pressure on us to always be strong in every circumstance. And can I tell you, I got times when I'm just not strong. When in fact, I'm just, I'm just weak. And, and the older I get, the more I'm growing to embrace my weaknesses. I'm going to tell you this, and this is going to be different. You're not going to have a lot, no points on, on this. I, I, I have them, but they're not up there on the PowerPoint. Um, parents, it's, it's okay for your children to be terrible at something. That they like to do. <laughs> All right. Put that on there. They can like to do it and not be good at it. And still get joy from participating in it. They don't have to be the champion of everything they do. You know why? You know, they can't be the champion at every single thing they do. There's a passage of scripture we're going to lean on. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. I'm going to read it for you. Uh, it's Paul. Paul writes, he's, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. You know, I'll probably quote a lot of scriptures supporting this message. He said, I got plenty to boast about. And would be no fool in doing it, because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it. I don't want anyone to think more highly of me than what they have, can actually see in my life and my message. Even though I have received wonderful revelations from God, but to keep me from getting puffed up, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from getting proud. Underline that word. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said to me, my gracious favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. Now you might read that in the King James Version if you got it because it's more poetic in the King James Version when it says my grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. He says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. Since I know it's all for Christ's good, I am quite content with my weaknesses and with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, come on now, then I am strong. There's a professor, Ivy League professor from Harvard who did something really amazing a few years ago. PhD, earned doctorate. When he put out his resume or his curriculum vitae, for those of you who don't know what that is, that means it's all the schooling you've ever had, all the jobs you've ever had. And you put that together and you send it to somebody when you're applying for a job. 
right? That's what curriculum vitae is. And people can kind of see your professional career on a sheet or two of paper, all right? And they decide based on that whether or not they want to give you an interview for a job. And so you can imagine that if that's, if that's what they see of you first, then you put all your best on there. You make yourself sound as good as you can. You know, I help every little old lady across the street that I come into. You know, you put all that on there. Well, this professor did something contrary to popular appeal. Um, his name is Johannes Haushofer. And instead of simply putting all the stuff he succeeded at, he also put the stuff he failed at on his resume. And he put on his resume, on his curriculum vitae, he said he put all of the rejection letters from articles that he had written and submitted to publications. And they said, no, we're not going to publish this. He put the rejections from jobs he'd applied for on there, and they didn't hire him. He put all of that on there. He said, because in so doing, that gives people a complete picture of who I am and what I've done and attempted to do. Now, don't get me wrong. This man, I said he was from Harvard. He's from Princeton. This man is a Princeton professor. Clearly, he has a, an accomplished work background. But even at that level, he hadn't succeeded at everything. And too often, we try to make folk think that you have to succeed at everything you try to do. And the truth of the matter is, more often than not, you don't succeed at a lot of things before you do. And when you bring your children up thinking that everything they put their hands to has to be successful, you do them a disservice. Because you don't give them room to mess up and grow up. They sometimes get stuck at the mess up and can't move forward. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of us still stuck at the mess up from high school. Still regretting what we didn't do, what we couldn't accomplish back in that day. I was supposed to be the homecoming queen. Yeah, but my pumps broke, and I had to limp across the stage, and they were laughing at me. I mean, whatever, that's funny, yeah. Whatever, you 35 now? Why is that still an issue? It's because these events can be scarring, and it's how people come to you and how they, you know, every time you see folk from high school, they talk about, you remember them pumps? So today I want to deal with weaknesses. I see you back there, Paul. Our brother, Paul Holman, is in the back. It's good to see you. Weakness can be defined as any limitation we can't change. All right? Any limitation you can't change. Your weakness can be circumstantial. The circumstances of your life may simply put you in a space where you have a, a weakness in your life. Your weakness can be financial. Yeah, try as they may. Some people just never going to have a whole lot of money. 
All right, but that doesn't mean they're poor. All right, because they have everything they need and can accomplish whatever they need to accomplish for their lives, but they simply don't come into a lot of money for whatever circumstances. They could never dream of making $400,000 a year and probably wouldn't know what to do with all of it if they did. It's simply not a part of their lives to have to live in that space with that kind of money. It may be that your weakness is relational. You just, you just have a hard time getting along with folks. It's just maybe your personality or, or maybe that you're such an introvert and have never learned properly how to form relationships with people. And because of that, you struggle at every place. You know, you struggle at work. You struggle in the neighborhood. You don't really know your neighbors. Hey, neighbor, how you doing? Still don't know your name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know the dog name, but you don't know the neighbor name. Yeah, yeah, because you hear the neighbor hollering, Roro, <laughs> come back, Roro. Hey, Roro, that's what you say all the time. That makes you think you've got a good relationship with your neighbor, but you wouldn't even be able to go over there and ask for a cup of sugar if you needed. People don't do that no more, I don't think, but. Yeah. It may be that your, your weakness is emotional. It's emotional. You spend a lot of time really dealing with, I'm, I'm going to give it to you like this. Some of us early on, like a bee sting, we got a bee sting in our life. And you can't start healing from the bee sting until you get the stinger out. And some of us still dealing with the stinger. It's still in us. And it affects us at every turn. It washes everything we do. And we just are overly emotional. Adults, you in a meeting, I'm in a meeting, grown folk, we talking about business, work, why are you late? Da, 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 they crying. Hold up. <laughs> this is awkward. This is awkward because the lean in I'm supposed to do right now, I can't do. Not because you ain't wrong, but because you crying. All right? And somebody know what I'm talking about in here. And so you got to pull back and deal with the issue before you can deal with the issue. Some of us struggle in that. You deal with that in your marriage. Yeah. Your husband don't know why you cry every time his voice raises. He ain't fussing at you, but you upset. Something needs to be dealt with in that space to have communication be effective. It could be that your weakness comes from a lack of ability. Here we go. You just can't do. I love basketball. I do. I did. I love basketball. I just wasn't that good at it. <laughs> I mean, just, I wasn't that good at it. And it showed, I didn't, you know, I played basketball. When I was growing up, we played basketball every day. That's what we did. We went outside, outside and play basketball every single day. And naturally, you get good with the folk you play with. You know, because you learn how to hustle. It's when you go to the neighborhood court at the rec center, 
and you realize you ain't good. <laughs> All right? Because they don't pick you. <laughs> you know. I know what it feels like for not to be but like 10 folk out there to play. And you always number 9 or 10 pick. I know what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I got used to it. So what does that make you do? That make you hustle more. You know. Make you hustle more. Give you some hops. Still not good enough. <laughs> All right? It's enough to get off the playground, but you ain't going nowhere else with that. All right? But I love basketball. It's okay. Guess what? My life is full without me being good at basketball. I'm okay with it. But there's some people who got to have it. They spend a whole lot of their lives trying to be better at it. You know, they go from league to league to league because they're chasing that glory, you know. And that's okay, but do it for the right reasons and not because you're dealing with something emotionally. It could be, and this is where I think most of us swim, that your weakness comes from your past. Yeah. So what are we supposed to do with those weaknesses? Watch this. This is what, this is what Paul wrote. Second Corinthians, I mean, 1 Corinthians 1 and 27, the Lord inspired him to write, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. It's amazing how God will turn a situation upside down so that not you, but he gets the glory. Yeah, look, how is David supposed to walk onto the field of battle and beat Goliath? When every other fighting man in Saul's army is sitting there quaking and shaking, afraid to go out on the battlefield, all the men who have slain all the other enemies are afraid to go out there and challenge this Philistine, and David comes up with his basket of bread and cheese for his brothers and walks off the field the victor. Everybody knows that God set the scene so that David wouldn't get the glory. God would. And to make matters better, David comes out there saying, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. He understood that in his own power and in his own might, I cannot take this man down. But with two small stones and a slingshot, me and the Lord can put you in your place. God uses things that befuddle us to show us that he's still, he's in charge. In other words, if you're writing something down, write this down. God puts the greatest gifts in ordinary containers. God puts the greatest gifts in ordinary containers. We're always looking for something special. And what I came to tell you today is you're the something special. You are what God needs in order for his plan to take place here. And so watch this. Walk with me on this. How do you use your weaknesses to your advantage? How do you use what you're not so good at to be better in your life? Most of the time, we just hide them. We cower. I came to tell you, after today, that's over. You're going to do better in life 
because you acknowledge not your strength, but your weaknesses. And you're going to confound the people around you because you're stronger and you're better than you've ever been before. First thing you're going to do is concede your weakness. All right? Everybody say admit. First thing you're going to do is admit, I got this struggle. Yeah, I'm weak in this area. I don't know what it is, but everybody's got a specific area in their life that they are weak in. And if I know God the way I know God, God blesses you with somebody in your life who supports you in your weak area. That's what he does because he wants you operating at your best. And he knows that your best in that area is not good enough for what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, God made you the best cook in the world. Can't nobody cook better than you. You've been doing it since you were four years old, cooking whole meals for four. You can cook, but you can't count. And so even though everybody keep coming up to you telling you, you need to own a restaurant. Y'all know y'all know these folk who can cook, but their restaurants always go pure because they're trying to do something that they're not strong at. They just need to be in the kitchen cooking. And somebody else needs to be out front on the register stopping all the cousins from getting free food. So that the business can be profitable. This is what God gives us somebody. That's why when God puts a man and a woman together, that's why you ought to let him do it. Because, see, we don't judge the way he judges. Yeah. We judge based on looks. He looked good in a Corvette. And I look good next to him. That's my boo. Yes. Yeah. Don't we look like Michelle and Barack? No. Why you want to? Why you think God gave Barack Michelle? Oh, don't you think Michelle wasn't up in his face like this at night in the White House? I done told you to stop smoking in the White House. Folks don't need to see the president smoking. Don't think she was like she is on that Becoming tour. Alright? When she's sitting up there all made up and you know, no, that ain't her. She got on some house shoes and some rollers. And she told Malia, turn that music down in there. All these folk in here listening to that gangster rap in the White House. Oh, she a sister. As she always say, from the south side of Chicago. She didn't stop being from the south side of Chicago when she got to the White House. She was there, and that's why God gave her Barack. Because Barack would say, well, you know, man, I believe we can just go along with it, and we'll get there. She go in there and say, don't get that man what he want. He ain't got your best interest at heart. That's why they love each other. No, because they know it's a partnership. Even though the American public won't tolerate a first lady being out front like that, she was equal partners with him in the White House. And he knows that his success was dependent on her being there. You don't have a successful Barack Obama without Michelle. You can take that to the bank. But guess what? 
she ain't Michelle Obama without Barack. Yeah, she doesn't become what she is now without him being the balance in her life. That's simply how life is, but both of them have to admit what their weaknesses were. It's only now that she's writing books that you start hearing some of the behind the scenes stuff that's going on and she's admitting to you that even though she had a public face of everything is all right, she was screaming behind the scenes because she could not even be all that she had been raised to be. And that was a powerful sister working in uh, law firms and in, 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 in corporate America. She couldn't be that. She had to be first lady. And that came with its own restrictions. Yeah. So let me tell you this right now. If you want to move up and be your best version of yourself, admit what your weaknesses are. Stop hiding them from people. I am weak in this area. If you won't if you won't readily admit your weaknesses, then God may allow a crisis to come into your life to expose you. All right? And that's when you have to do it under circumstances that are less than favorable. And everybody will see then that you've been hiding what you think. They didn't know. It was probably obvious to them anyway. But now everybody knows for certain. And that doesn't mean that has to be bad. It simply means that's just not the favorable way to do it. All right? Because I don't want you to think, watch this, weakness is not sin. Having a weakness in an area. We are sinful by nature. Everything we do. So everything I'm telling you to do has to be done with the grace of God in your life. All right? So concede your witness. Admit Next thing I want you to do is celebrate your weaknesses. All right? Everybody say accept. All right? Concede your witness. Admit. Celebrate your weakness. Accept. It's tough for this one, right? But Paul said it. We just read it in the scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, he said, I have cheerfully made up my mind to be proud of my weakness." Yeah, he said because, watch this now, this is the reason why. Because they are meant to, they, they are given to me to mean a deeper experience of the power of God. That, that, that's why. I can celebrate my weakness because they mean I get closer to God. It's not easy in this world to celebrate weaknesses. All right, but there, there, there's some benefits that come from celebrating your witnesses. Walk with me on this. The first thing, witnesses, when we acknowledge them, it causes us to turn to God for help. But if you don't ever admit it, if you're always trying to cover up for it, then your pride stops you from getting closer to God. God's not going to come to you in the space that you're running yourself. He's a gentleman, as they say. Yeah, if you say, I got this, guess what? He's going to let you handle it. And that's to your detriment. But it's only in the space when you say, Father, I need your help. Lord, help me. Help me. You must celebrate the weaknesses that you have because it causes us to turn to God for help. Not only that, weakness prevents arrogance. Yeah. 
Weakness prevents you. When you acknowledge and celebrate, well, I know I can't do that. Then that puts you in a space where you don't judge other folk for what they can't do. Because you know you struggle in this area as well. Yeah. I could make A's in classes, uh, history, poli-sci classes. I n't have to go to class. I was making A's. All right. In most English classes, I was pretty good in it. Math, I was running from Didn't run in front of the class. Didn't, didn't even want to go sit down in it petrified. When I sat down in it, didn't even, uh, uh, the, the teacher said good morning. I was scared. Oh, Lord. Did, did I flunk that? <laughs> Is that on the test? Ah. <laughs> uh, so when I saw folk who struggled in English or history or something, I was happy to help them. I was happy to help them because I'm like, if you feel any way like I feel when it comes to math, I know you're struggling. Yeah, it's hard. But when you know you got a problem, when you know you're struggling in those areas, when you know you got a thorn in the flesh, look what Paul said. Paul said, God gave me a thorn. You heard? You hear me? You hear me? I said, God gave him a thorn. God gave him a thorn. Reggie, I say this all the time to Karen. You know, I, I love listening to you. Yeah. Because you're blessed. The Lord has gifted y'all. He's blessed you. I love to sing. But I know why God didn't let me sing. I know that. I know why. I know that me being able to sing and preach, I'd have been a different person. I'm, I'm here to tell you. Yeah. I, I would have been different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have used the singing in spaces that I should have been doing something else. Yeah, but I do know this, that when Reggie sings and when I sing, God hear the same thing. No matter how good he is, yeah, my voice through the filter of heaven sounds like Reggie. Not down here. <laughs> Not down here. It sounds like me, 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 me down here. But in heaven, and that's why I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to be ashamed if you can't sing. Because your singing ain't for us. It's for the Lord, and the Lord hears it all as praise. So sing. Close your eyes. Put your head back and let the Lord go. He's excellent. Weaknesses prevent arrogance. I know I would have been. I'm, I'm serious. I, I mean, I know that about me because, but anyway, not only that, look at this, what I just did. My weaknesses allow me to value other people. The fact that I know I can't do some things helps me appreciate what other folk can do. 
and celebrate them. Want them, excel, give everything I can to support them in their space. You know, because, because when you celebrate somebody else's strength, that helps not only them, but it strengthens your independent spirit. You know, God gave me, God gave them. We all put it together. Then God gets the glory. God desires that we value one another. God doesn't want us looking down at other folk. Not only does he not want us looking down at other folk, he also does not want us putting other folk on pedestals, which we will quickly do because somebody does something to a standard that we can't do it, we will put them on a pedestal and for some reason think that they are better or whatever than other people. That's wrong. We shouldn't put people on pedestals because uh, um, that's not how God blessed us. Not only that, watch this now. I'll tell you why you need to stop hiding your, ministry, your, your, your uh, weakness. Your weakness gives you a ministry. Yeah, not your strength. See, the strength is what you want to go do. But if you expose and acknowledge your weakness, that's your ministry. Oh, oh, oh I know I'm, I'm right about it. Who better to tell you about a divorce than somebody that's been divorced? That's your ministry to help somebody. That's your ministry to be able to encourage somebody who is struggling. Who better to tell you when you think God has given you a child who has special needs, that's your ministry. You can help other folk in that space. You can develop it in such a way that not only are you strengthened, but you can strengthen other folk. Guess what that's called? That's a ministry. That's a ministry. And so I want you to learn how to concede your witnesses. Admit, celebrate your weaknesses, accept. And the last thing I want you to do is confess your weaknesses. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. All right? Now, this is socially risky, depending on what your weakness is. This is socially risky. You start telling people all the things, because when you get in a space uh, and people want to exploit you, you give them the road. <laughs> to take advantage of you. But remember now, you're dependent on the Lord. And the Lord wouldn't let you step out in that space without protecting you. So watch this. There's a man named James Cook. Many people don't know that James Cook is actually the man, according to historical record, who is listed as having discovered the island of Hawaii. Right? James Cook. That's not to say Hawaii wasn't already occupied. But he discovered there's this island out there in the Pacific Ocean named Hawaii. He also discovered other islands around Hawaii. As you know, there are many of them over there. Because of that, because he was the first non-indigenous person who discovered Hawaii, the indigenous people, the people who were already there, treated him like a god. Because they had never seen anybody who wouldn't like them. So he came out, and they treated him like a god. Well, he set off from Hawaii on a mission to try to discover some other islands. And the winds and the rains and the storms forced him back to Hawaii. And when the people saw that he was afraid of the wind and the rain, 
and the storm, they killed him. Because he was no longer a God in their eyesight. It's dangerous. Exposing your weaknesses. All right? It's dangerous when people don't understand you, when people can't appreciate what God has done for you. It's dangerous to do it. So you got to be very careful how open you are when it comes to exposing your witnesses. But even though it can be socially risky, nobody out here discovering no islands, you know, West End already been discovered. So you good in that respect. Yeah, unless there's a new West End. Yeah. It's also emotionally healthy. Even though it's socially risky, it's emotionally healthy for you to expose your witnesses. James says this, confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. It's in the confession that you invite healing into your space. All right? It's in the non-communication that you put barriers up. And then watch this. Watch this. It's in the non-communication that you put barriers up and then you build structures in your life to hide what you don't want folk to know. And so what you end up doing is living behind the emotional walls that you set up to block your, your weakness. What you need to do is simply confess your weakness. And think about how much energy that removes from your life that you have to keep up with. It's been said that revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Revealing your healing is the beginning of healing. Some things in your life won't budge until you share them with other people. It just won't change. All right? Because you are still the caricature of the person you want them to see. And it's not until you show them the who you are that things start to change. I hope somebody here hear me because you've been walking around as a cartoon in your own life. Yeah. And now you just need to come out and be yourself. Ain't nobody going to be reading Dilbert no more. Nobody black. Because the dude who draw Dilbert don't like black folk. Yeah, so he's getting his cartoon that's been in papers for the last 30 years dropped everywhere. And not only that, he doubling down on it. Yeah, he don't like black people. He said that in the podcast. See, he's scared of them, don't want to be around them. He moved from around. Yeah. Yeah, racism is a weakness. And he's finding out it's going to be socially unacceptable. And he thinks he's untouchable because he's been out there so long. But he's about to learn in this new day and age that ain't nobody untouchable. He's going to experience some things. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they gonna it's gonna be some new cartoons coming out. Yeah, Daniel but gonna come out, yeah. Something, you know, yeah. It's gonna be something that's about to come out. Yeah, Daniel but gonna be in papers coming to you and he ain't gonna be playing the radio. Yeah, you need to understand that he struggled. He he had a weakness. His weakness is racism. He revealed it, but in the wrong way. He ain't trying to get better. He thinks that he can 
you know, he thinks he's right. So not only is it emotionally healthy, it's also spiritually empowering, y'all. I came to tell you, exposing your, your, your weaknesses is spiritually empowering to you. It brings you closer to the Lord because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Yeah, there's nothing. The Bible says that God, God absolutely hates a prideful person. All right? He despises is the word. A, a proud person. But he gives grace to those who are humble. Grace. Grace. Remember what that is now. Grace is what you need, not what you deserve. Grace is something you can't earn. It's freely given. That's the grace that I'm talking about. Grace is the power to change. God always takes opportunities to show people who are inept at something as the victor. It's amazing. It's almost like heaven does it. Well, I know heaven does it on purpose. Heaven does it on purpose. It's not what man thinks should be the difference. It's what God wants to show because God is always trying to make sure he gets the glory. And if he only lets those who are strong in every area win, guess what happens? Man gets the glory and not God. Because that means I can get strong enough. I can be smart enough. All right? I can have enough money to make things happen. How is it that God lets folk who mom and dad and never went to college, never made any significant money, educate 12 children, all of them got degrees, all of them came out of college with no money, old when they came out of college, and all of them give credit to their mom and daddy because God uses that to show folk, I can do whatever I want don't you come here and tell me you can't go to college because God owns all colleges. Yeah, God can put you through there and you won't owe a dime when you come out. Why? Not that man can explain it to you. They'll be saying, well, we don't know where the money came from. All we know is that all your tuition has been paid. Why? Because God made sure it was paid. Yeah, they'll say a private benefactor. I know who my private benefactor is. I know who's the one who can give me everything that I need, no matter the circumstances. How do I know? Because the Bible shows me time after time after time that it's the one with the weakness. It's the one with the problem that ends up as the prophet. It's the one with the issue that, that winds up on top and telling everybody else what to do. Can I tell you, Moses? Yeah, Moses was a basket case. Y'all don't know that. Yeah, Moses was a, a basket case who ended up in witness protection because he killed somebody. Y'all need to know that. Yeah, and he finally, God slapped him and said, get back, to, get back to Egypt. And he came back and walked up on Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, don't you know it's a warrant out for you? Moses said, I know about the warrant, but let my people go. How are you going to walk up on Pharaoh and tell him to let the two or three million people in bondage out because he wasn't there for himself? He was there for God. And all the weaknesses that you have in your life, when God tells you, he's got you. He's got you. Abraham, we look back at Abraham as the father of righteousness. Abraham wasn't righteous. Abraham was a liar. Abraham was not righteous, but what Abraham had that made him significant to God, he was faithful. God told him to do something, Abraham did it. That didn't stop him from lying about his wife. 
that didn't stop him from sleeping with his servant, that didn't stop him from having all the other weaknesses that men can have. But when God said, get up and move, Abraham, guess what Abraham did? Abraham called pods and got down the road. And God said, because of that, your right, your, your faith is going to be counted as righteousness. If Abraham was righteous in and of himself, that would be self-righteousness. He was not. God made him righteous. Gideon was the youngest man in the smallest tribe, and he defeated the greatest army with the smallest force. Why? Because God wanted him to know that it's me doing it, Gideon. It's not you. God will take your greatest problem, and he'll put you in the most awkward situation and let you come out on top. Because in the end, he expects you to turn around and give him the glory for it. You need to stop claiming that you've done something in your life when you know if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you wouldn't be in the circumstance that you find yourself in. Peter, the rock, fisherman, arrogant, brash, prideful, prone to cussing, denying God, when denying that he even knew Jesus after everybody saw him walking around with him for three years. But when the heat got turned up on his life, he couldn't stand the heat. His weakness was that even though he was big and burly, he was really a coward. But this same Peter, once the Lord got in him, not walked with him, no, not when he was walking with Jesus, when the Lord got in him. When the Lord got in him and changed him, this same Peter died on the cross upside down because he wouldn't stop preaching about Jesus. This same Peter preached so hard that 3,000 folk got saved. This same Peter, once he acknowledged that he couldn't do it by himself, once his weaknesses were exposed, that's when the Lord was able to shine through him. I'm ready to put somebody else's name on the list. Is it going to be your name? Because I can add my name to the list. Yeah, I know what I struggle with. I know what I struggle with. I know the things that I'm not able to do well. But I thank God that he didn't use that against me. In fact, he used it on my benefit. See, what y'all don't understand is I can be painfully shy about something and insecure. And why would God put me in public jobs with the degree of insecurity that I have? When I have to walk into a place and reassure myself, you got this. All the public places I have to go to, all the public things I have to go to, you don't see my hand shaking. But I know what you don't see me say is, Lord, help me. Help me to know what to say. When I walk up in the hospital room and you standing around with your family at the weakest, worst part of your life and you think I'm coming in there with the word of comfort, I came to tell you, it ain't me. It's him. Because I don't know what to say when I get out the car, I'm struggling. I'm saying, Lord, help me for a word. Give me a word. Give me something. Something to say to him. And sometimes he just say, Andre, just go in there and be quiet. Just be with them. Let them know you care enough to show up. And a lot of times, that's all folk need. 
They don't need me to have no special dictionary full of words. They just need me to stand there with them and say, I'm sorry. That's the testimony. And so maybe the weakness for me is thinking that I always got a word to say and the Lord saying, you ain't got no word to say, I'm saying. And what I'm telling you is shut up. Yeah, you, Mr. Talker, shut up. Let your presence be the testimony. What's your weakness? The world was weak without a way to solve its problems. The world didn't have a way to get back into relationship with God. The, the world was stuck behind sin. God knew we were struggling. But the Bible says in the fullness of time, when men started to cry out, Lord help us, send us relief from our struggles. We know you hear us. Please send us somebody. The Bible says it was then that God sent a Savior named Jesus. I love this about him. He sent us. There's the only one thing in heaven that was made on earth. One thing. His name is Jesus. The only thing in heaven that was made on earth is Jesus Christ. And he sent him to us. So he could show us the way. Because our weakness was that we could not find a way to get back in relationship with the Lord. And so when we couldn't find a way, guess what a loving God does? He made a way. He sent us a way. His name is Jesus. Do you know him? Have you accepted him as your savior? If you haven't, I came to tell you today that your relationship with God is not settled. You're still struggling. If you never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you never accepted his sacrificial death and resurrection, he's waiting. He's waiting. He just wants you to accept the gift of love that he's given him. And so right now, I'm empowered by the highest offices in heaven to extend to you an invitation. Just come to him. Accept the gift that he's given you. The gift of eternal life. You can't get it any other way. Accept it. He loves you. He loves you enough to step away from heaven and come live with us down here. Have you accepted? Now's the time. Today's the day. Doors of our church are wide open. I need you to come right now. If you're here today, come Just on. He will help you. He will yeah. save you. He will save you. He will save you. He has. He has saved you. Have you accepted it? There is strength in your weakness, but you got to acknowledge it. Yeah. You can't save yourself. Only trust you.